In the scriptures, whenever we hear of vineyards, we ought to think of marriage. A parable for Jews about a relationship between a groom and his bride is someone who is a caretaker of a vineyard and the vineyard itself. It's filled with bridegroom imagery. It's all over the Song of Songs, for example. It's mentioned four or five times in just those small eight chapters of the Song of Songs. And here, it's very explicitly stated in Isaiah. Let me now sing of my my friend. It's supposed to be love, but they translated it friend, which is fine, I suppose. My friend's song. It's a love song about a vineyard, about a man who takes all the care in the world to plant this vineyard so that it will produce fruit. When we look at our readings, we'll take them piecemeal. Our readings are really a summary of salvation history. What is this image of the vineyard producing wild grapes and then being open to the destruction? The master takes away all the hedges and wild beasts trample the ground and everything around. This is an analogy for the Babylonian exile. The people had worshipped idols and committed injustice against their own people. So God says, all right, I will deliver you into the hands of your enemies. That's our first reading. The Babylonian exile happened in 587 BC. Just, I'll be hammering that home as time goes on. So remember that. That's an important marker. That's an important time. Then our psalm response is the response of the people who are suffering in the exile. They say to the Lord, once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine and protect what your right hand has planted. Give us new life and we will call upon your name. This is the outcry of the people desiring, Lord, you cleared out space for this vine. This is yours. This is your bride. You chose to plant this vine and protect it. And you've let it be destroyed by Babylon, by the nations. Come back and restore this vine and give it new life. What's interesting is the response in our gospel. The parable opens up very similarly to Isaiah. It sounds almost the same. There's a landowner, a hedge, there's a wine press and a tower. There's a slight difference. The element of tenants is added. This is something new. And I would say there's two great surprises in our gospel regarding this vineyard. The first surprise is after all the servants of the landowner have been killed, what does the landowner do? Does he send his strongest soldiers to cast out the wicked tenants? No. He decides to send his son. What a dumb idea. Right? He knows that they've killed everyone else, so he's going to send his most beloved son, his only son, to help win these tenants over. And we can't think, boy, that landowner must be really unintelligent, because we know this analogy is for God himself, that he actually did this, and that both the father and the son knew what would happen. This is Jesus telling the parable, and he knows he is the son sent by the father who who is about to die. This is in Passion Week when this is all happening. Palm Sunday has already happened. That's when the reading takes place. So imagine, 
that's how vulnerable God is before us. That's his great love to send his son just to try to convert those wicked tenants to win them over. Remember, this parable is the third of three parables addressed to the chief priests and the elders who are making some pretty huge mistakes. And they get it right. Jesus says, what do you think God will do, the landowner would do, to those tenants? Well, we'll put those wicked tenants to wicked death. Okay, you got that right. But then our second surprise is this. Unlike our first reading from Isaiah, when the vineyard was open to destruction and trampled, That doesn't happen in Jesus' parable. What happens in Jesus' parable is that the vineyard is given new tenants and the kingdom of God is taken away from the chief priests and the elders and given to a people that will produce its fruit. So the key here is fruitfulness. Now what are the messages for us to glean here today from this gospel passage from our readings? First and foremost, we are the vineyard. This is the new life that the people of Israel are begging from God. Come to tend this vine. And God does. He sends his son. And then he takes this vine, entrusts it to his apostles, and it flourishes. It includes the Gentiles and the Jews. And then he sends forth his Holy Spirit that's unleashed by his sacrifice on the cross. He sends forth his spirit in the sacraments of the church. And what is our job? What is our duty? It's to bear fruit. In a certain sense, in a certain sense, not totally true all the way through, but in a certain sense, it doesn't matter who the tenants are. We are called to bear fruit no matter what. That's what we will be judged upon. Our tenants have a different judge. And in some sense, I am a tenant, your unworthy servant. I am one of the tenants who has my own faults and sins. But that should not prevent us from bearing good fruit. Because we ourselves are filled with the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. Which is incredible, what, what has been given to us. So we must keep that in mind. So it's to bear fruit. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? We know this from St. Paul's letter. Love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things. And yet, what are the things that we allow in our lives to take our peace, to take our joy? Whatever those things are, self-examination, whatever takes your joy and takes your peace, cut those things off. They're preventing us from bearing fruit. And the last thing in our duty of bearing fruit is this. It's not really a task we take to ourselves. It's something that's more or less given to us. What, is, what are grapes used for? In the scriptures, it's never just about the vineyard. What are grapes used for? For making wine. That's also the connection with marriage imagery. You have wine at every wedding banquet. So you make wine. Well, what is the great image of wine in our Catholic faith? It's the thing that becomes the blood of Christ. And here, we celebrate the same wedding feast that already exists in heaven. 
So our task is not only to bear fruit, but to be prepared for the suffering in this life that crushes us and makes us into this wine so that we may truly be joined here at the Eucharistic sacrifice offered with Jesus to the Father so that we not only will be fruitful, but become Christ himself, be united with his blood, not just through our reception, but through our suffering. And then we're transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, infused with this grace and enlivened, lifted up to our Heavenly Father and united forever with God at the true and everlasting wedding banquet in heaven. Those are our two tasks, to bear fruit, which we know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, etc., and to be prepared for the suffering that crushes us into that wine so that we can offer those sufferings as sacrifice here at the Mass when the priest lifts up the the patent and the chalice so that we can be transformed into Christ himself to take on divine life that he gives as his gift. And hopefully one day, please God, to live forever in this wedding banquet in heaven as the church being the bride and Christ being the groom.